In this moment, 360 Performances podcast focuses on watching elite athletes who exceed their performance expectations and become examples of excellence that history books chronicle. It is also true during their history of success that they are vulnerable to all the same stressors and pressures that all of humanity may face. So when the world outside of their competitive arena captures their attention to the point they risk injury, adjustments should be made to interject and protect them. Regretfully, sport management, coaches, and even teammates are not aware of the triggers and signs that would activate protection and care of the athlete. Dr. Whiteman discusses triggers that produce athlete stress and offers suggestions to how teams, sports, and coaches can step in and protect athletes without sacrificing athlete character and privacy. Today's show theme is named after a term used by gymnasts, twisties, a term to let coaches know the athlete is having trouble. So here's Dr. Whiteman twisting into the subject about athlete mental health. And when she has that fear in the moment, that's difficult to address. So managing the stress before failure is where I want to take us right now. Athletes are faced with stressors that create fear. And regretfully, if it's extended to full execution, in the midst of that fear, you might actually have some pain. And a problem of executing that move. Once you come out of that, the athlete, the competitive spirit, is faced with frustration and anger because of that failure. And that, that's compounded by the emotions of the depression that are there. I mean, on one hand, you're an elite athlete. You know what you can do. You know you are a champion. Your history of performing has indicated you are a champion. And it's interesting, the, the dichotomy of that, the struggle within yourself. If you have ever felt that, you know what difficulty that creates for an athlete. Or for anybody, even if you're not an athlete, an elite performer in the corporate world, an elite performer in music and art and drama, you're trying to deliver a specified set of outcomes. I'm asking you, what can we do to manage our stressors so that we do not get to failure? We address it before failure even happens. It seems like a sense of urgency when it comes down to someone like an Olympic athlete where if, if we don't address the, the stress before failure and failure happens, it could be detrimental to your future. You could be injured to a point where you don't get to perform again. You don't get to excel to the ends of perfection and get the gold medal or any medal or any outcome that seems satisfactory. So I want to manage the stress so that we don't have athletes sitting alone on a bench, hunched over, waiting for outcomes, or that they seclude themselves in darkness, don't make eye contact. They don't recognize who they are or what they're doing, and they question whether or not they want to ever perform again. Like Naomi Osaka at a recent tennis tournament, the mandate at the tournament 
in Australia was that you had to go to the press. Well, press is one of her triggers. Does her team know that? Are they prepared to manage her stresses before she gets to failure? In that particular instance, no, that wasn't the case. Failure happened. She was embarrassed at compounding the stressors, compounding the, the uh, possibility for depression and anxiety to sit in. The same thing being true for Simone Biles. Now, the difference with Simone is her team, her, her support group was there for her. Her teammates were there for her. Look, it doesn't diminish the outcome to her personally. She still felt it. But she would, was bowed up by her teammates and her coaches. In fact, the whole Olympic community, because they were aware of it. Now, I, I'll pause a moment and I question whether or not the Olympic community in its entirety as a system allowed her a space I provide and recommend to organizations at the college and professional level that they, they create uh, environmental space for quiet rooms. I'm hoping the Olympic Village, where the athletes were staying, allowed her, maybe the arenas as well, allowed Simone and other athletes quiet space, an environment that they could go to where they could gather themselves up now, one of the examples that's part of the routine in swimming and diving is that they have these um, warm pools, they have showers, they have these little little pieces, these little pieces of space that you can kind of go within yourself. You're away from the press, you know, um, you're away from the other athletes, you can kind of con uh, consolidate yourself into this space and perhaps calm yourself down. Now, I'm saying this with presumption that Athletes are given instruction, training, coaching about what to do in that space, breathing techniques, making sure that you're moving your eyes around, you're seeing other things, you're aware of other shapes, colors, people, sounds in that space to allow you to find yourself in that space so that you know what your triggers are. In, those, in that space, and you know how to manage those triggers because of your self-awareness. It's really interesting to me um, what we don't say as coaches, administrators, sports management folks of the space that these events are taking place in. I'll share a brief story with you about a uh, an Olympic-bound athlete. He did not make it, but he went on to... He is into uh, other higher levels of performance in his sport of, of being a wrestler. Um, and in his process of striving to be an Olympian, um, he came to me and said, I have a problem. The closer and closer I get to an event, the more and more the world closes in on me. And I said, well, what does that mean? The world closes in on you. What it meant was that literally his vision, his scope of vision, began to close down, close down to the point where he got, all he could see was this circle of light and the images that would go in there. He had these black visions that come in. So his stressors, his anxiety was so high from a number of different sources. Anxiety from performance anxiety. I want to perform to my best. Puts pressure on himself. Then the triggers became the environment, getting closer to the locker room, getting closer to the event uh, building itself, the arena. 
And then as he's in the locker room, you know, not seeing certain things that were familiar so that the anxiety would, would diminish, it got bigger. And eventually, by the time he got to the mat, all he saw was almost a, a half dollar size of light and images. And yet, in NCAA ranking, at the time, he was ranked fifth in his weight class nationally as an NCAA wrestler. His coaches didn't understand, didn't even know about what was happening to his mind, his vision, his habits at home, was trying to sleep, nutritional stuff, uh, his communication skills. So we evaluated together what his triggers were and how to get him not only more self-aware, but also knowing what he could do to control his self-awareness. Here are, here are some examples. When you're in this world, like I'm right now, I'm in the studio, and I'm seeing all these different things. I'm putting myself, actually, as I'm explaining it to you, into a more self-aware space. I see shapes on the wall, the sound dampening things that are on the wall. I see the colors on the screens in front of me, the keyboards, the, the notes, the pen in front of me, so that I know my space. I'm familiar with my space. I would say this to him as well. I'd say, let's take a walk. Because it takes a village. It takes me and you and your family, your teammates, to be aware of what's essential for you to be um, in the space, self-aware, so that you are able to control that space. So when we, he and I took walks, and he was from Arizona, we would look at pine trees. We would look at the sidewalk, the road, gardens of homes around you. Well, the first thing I said to him, because there were pine trees nearby, I'd say, what, do you, what does that pine tree look like? We stopped on our walk, and I said, take a look at that pine tree. What, what, is that? what do you see? First thing he said was the color, green. It's green. Great. Go deeper. What else do you see? Tell me what else you see. Oh, I see the needles. How many needles do you see? A lot. I see a lot of needles. And then he saw a pine cone within the midst of those, that greenness. Then he saw a different colored pine cone, some that were mature, they were brown, perhaps ready to fall off the branches. And then he saw the green ones, the new ones that were coming. I said, okay, hold on a minute, let's pause. Have you ever noticed that before? He said, I might have, but I never really paid attention to it. Well, how does that make you feel? He says, I'm, I feel calmer already. I, I'm aware of those other things. And because I'm aware of that, I move away from the stressors. I move away from even identifying the, the triggers that cause me to stress. And then we started talking about his plan and his team's plan, how he wanted to incorporate his team into his plan so that he could diminish, if not remove, his fear, his anger, even the pain he felt in his body that he didn't recognize was there because of the stressors. These are activities that I ask all athletes to do as a means to manage the stressors before it becomes part of the failure, the physical failure that you feel. We know from the Olympic reports on Simone Biles that she has avoided getting to really cataclysmic injury possibilities with not managing those triggers. 
She caught those triggers because they've happened to her before. The twisties, as they call them, have taken up to two weeks for her to manage and recover from. I'm wondering, and look, at I'm, don't wanna, I don't want people to misunderstand me here. I am not trying to say that I'm putting in place strategies and methods to get any athlete back to performing at their level quickly or too quickly. I'm, I am saying that we need to manage the stressors so that the athletes can make a choice as to when they continue their performance excellence. If we, if we look at the stressors and the triggers more often and in a self-aware way, Simone Biles is not only able to stay more in control, but she's able to keep it in perspective that so, so she can continue to perform at her best because ultimately that's what she wants to do. I'm asking that she gets a choice to do it on her terms and that she shares that awareness and what those triggers are with her team so that they have a plan on how to support her. Because the one thing you don't want to have happen is you find anybody, athlete, executive, family member, whomever it might be, sitting in the dark, not able to interact. That's signs of failure, mental and physical failure. We don't want it to get to that place. If you've ever been at that place, you know what it feels like and you don't want to be in that place. It's not a comfortable place to be. So now I'm asking you to know the signs. And some of them are very self-evident. You've seen them. You've probably been around people that you've walked by casually in a sporting event as an athlete and teammate, and you saw the signs, but you didn't say anything or you didn't offer your assistance. And offering doesn't mean they're accepted. I want to make sure I say that. Because many times the athlete who's in this, in, this, in this space is having a hard time. That's why they're sitting alone. That's why they're in the dark. That's why they're also avoiding any eye contact. They're having a difficult time managing the triggers and the stressors that came with it. We also know with these signs, they are in the failure mode. Hopefully they're not in so much degree of failure in managing the demons they're facing that it's caused any kind of physical injury. It's most definitely emotional distress and they're trying to discover ways to manage that, that emotion. Another, another sign is when they're asked and, and, you, and if you see the signs, like those first two signs, you see those first two signs and you approach them, know that you might get a little pushback. They may be agitated when you ask them questions. In fact, in some cases, they're sitting in that failure for so long, it could in fact be anger. So how do we manage that? Things have happened. Changes have occurred. And I'm using the Olympics, the 2020, but now in 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, major, major changes over a year ago. And before that, the athletes in preparation for the 2020 Olympics we're preparing in 2019. And then the triggers that many of them, none of us faced was COVID. That was a huge trigger for most of us to varying degrees of stress and pressure. But nonetheless, when it comes to Olympic athletes and even professional athletes, because in 2019, we had the NBA, the NFL, soccer, um, 
any, any volleyball, any number of, of professional and amateur sports that we're preparing. In 2019, in March of 2019, what happened to the NCAA? Basketball, March Madness, was shut down. Lots of frustration, lots of, of emotional outbursts that were triggered because of COVID. Senior athletes, male and female basketball players, were not able to be seen in that arena to perform at their best. Some teams, first time in, in years that their college was able to go to the NCAA tournaments, those were triggered by COVID. So it was, I felt it was appropriate that the Olympic rings with the word Tokyo in 2020 with the zero slashed out was a very um, memorable, if not effective um, metaphor and emblem for identifying the changes. And in these changes, if you're part of an organizational structure or you're a leader within that structure, we need to provide guidance for finding the support that people need through that change. Here it is. You make your calls, you send your emails, you notify people, oh, we got COVID, here's where it's at. These are the forces that are uh, asking us to deal with this. And it's, you know, it's federal government, it's, it's uh, international global health organizations, WHO, um, and then the CDC here in the United States and the FDA. Um, it's all these things came into play and, and forced us to have to look at this major, major change. So in the communication of that change, that's when you can be triggered to that management side of the stressors. Be aware. Stay in your training routines. Be aware in those training routines that you're, you're still preparing, maybe not the same aggressive pace because now it's not 2020 perhaps, and you're training in 2019, but you're doing it so that you're prepared for what is coming. Nah, that, that uncertainty, that creates a lot of fear for people. It's really extraordinary what we have to face in these moments. Now, as I say that, I'm reminded that um, I am so grateful for the people and things that are in my world. Uh, people and things like KUHSDenver.com and the streaming that we do here every day, almost every hour of every day. Um, pushing our message out there about being aware of what's coming. The next, the next song that's on the list for the day. The next talk show host that's coming in to share what they have to share. And dr addressing uncertainties. Gosh, I hope I don't create fear. <laughs> I do address uncertainty. But there's a lot of things that we have to be aware of that will create um, a trigger in you that may emote some things from you. And I'm hoping it's not fear. And I hope you're, we're doing it in advance to the fear, um, that we're managing those stressors so that it doesn't become harmful to you in a physical or emotional way. So that as we do that, as we do here at KUHS, we share with you uh, methods, in this case, in today's session, on uh, the twisties. That's our theme for today because it was an appropriate term that Simone Biles and her teammates deal with routinely, and Simone, it, it raised its ugly head. I'm hoping that 
in the future with that example that we're able to share today some strategies on how you can manage it before it becomes failure for you. And we're sh by sharing methods for healing and athletes dealing with those stressors so that they can control the outcomes before it gets to failure. That's, that's what I'm hoping it is for you. And we showed that, you know, the twisties is the term that the, the gymnasts use for them. And, and Simone, I mean, she is, the level of difficulty that she uses, I mean, most of the tricks that the athletes in the gymnastics world use for level of difficulty is in the, the five range. This, this professional woman, 6.0 in many of her tricks. And most, and, and well, I shouldn't say most, to a great degree, she created them. The, the, the tricks that she performs, the ones that have that are named after her, many, many a gymnast are not even trying them because they're so difficult. Um, and they're off the range. And, and, and that's a testament to Simone. She created them because she was capable of doing them. But she's fallible as is evidence to the things that she's going through. Maybe it's her body telling her, take a breath, take a moment, get it under control, and move forward from there. Now, Simone has her limitations, just like we all do. And in the mental side of things, physically, we, we know from her performances, she is primo. She prepares her body to the level it needs to be prepared to let her mind then execute with that superior performance of her, of her body um, the tricks that she wants it to do. But when she, when she asks her body to do certain things, she puts it into a, a state that maybe there's moments where her body is just, the, her brain is overwhelmed. Now I'm, I'm trying to gauge this in because Twisties require, well, the lack of twisties. You, you've got to see things. So as she's twisting in the air, she, her eyes have to be picking up certain spots. If they're not, my contention is there are forces working on Simone's brain that are not necessarily part of the sport because she has practiced so much to get to that excellence, like the Aristotle quote, perfection, excellence, it's a habit because you've practiced it. So if she's feeling the twisties, more than likely there's other forces working on Simone that aren't part of her physicality. It could be the pressures of the sport outside of the arena. It could be Simone herself with high expectations and that she needs to have moments to decompress and yet she's not given that because the environment's not allowing for that to happen. Like I mentioned earlier, are there spaces where athletes like Simone can go to decompress, to get more awareness, to take the walk and see the pine needles, the pine cones, distract herself so that when she then goes into those physical settings and, and her brain is asking her body to deliver She's clearly ready to do that.
I'm not there. I'm not at the Olympics. I don't know if when Simone gets back into twisting out off of the the springboard for the pummel horse. Sorry, not pummel horse. The um, the the springboard. Um, or she's doing her floor exercises, or she's on the uneven parallel bars, that she's able to be in that space and see what is necessary to deliver a landing that doesn't scare her. In this last picture, when she when she um, when she vaulted, the landing you could see in her face she was not confident, she was not balanced. One side of her body was not landing in the same place as the other side of the body, so it was not a very uh, good landing. Um, and that's that's a sign that things are not necessarily in the right place at the right time. They call them twisties. <laughs> it's interesting, um, but yet it it, it it resonates with me uh, that she is definitely uh, having difficulty. So as I say that about the twisties, we want to we want to take a look at what are the signs based on reflecting and comparing to prescribed outcomes. In the day, in the moments before Simone made a decision a few days ago, about two or three days ago, that she was going to take a break, take a moment, she saw and felt the difference between what happened and her vision of prescribed outcomes. She knew it wasn't right. The images didn't match up with her vision and the feeling of those visions and what it should feel like. Now, the obvious to the audience, to coaches, to teammates, is Simone did not look in control. That's, you know, that's prescribed outcome, right? And then once she moved away from the mat and that landing or the, the, the image of her twisting and what she looked like in the air, to many people, until she said something, they were not probably aware of how emotional and out of control she was. How emotional failure was the key sign. So until she felt confident being able to speak out, nobody really knew. Now, her teammates might have, but they were going to wait. In honoring Simone, they were going to wait before they said anything. And I, I'm pretty confident that there were some conversations with teammates that are very close to her, um, like Childs. She's very close to her. I'm sure that there may have been some sharing between the two of them. And then eventually, in her own good time, Simone shared with her teammates so that she could have a chance to bring that wonderful championship gold medal smile to everybody. It's it's a oh gosh I'm struggling here because I deal with this all the time. I'm I'm very active, proactive in managing the stressors before it gets to failure, creating the environments, identifying the self-awareness, the self-management to get to self-assurance that you're in control that you own and can identify the triggers as an athlete. Simone identified the triggers. I think we'll wait and see if she's going to be able to manage those emotions in a self-managed way because she's self-aware and we'll know that when she makes a statement about the individual events. 
and whether or not she's going to perform in those individual events. So we'll wait and see, right? The all-around is done. USA got a gold in the all-around. Um, it's, it's just, it, it makes me feel really confident that I'm on the right path when I see the results of individual athletes performing at a high level in the midst of adversity for another teammate. Because that, that teammate could have helped by going over to Simone and gathering in the emotions that Simone had and made them her own, to her own detriment. But instead, you're seeing a team of athletes and coaches come together, share, be aware, and then self-manage their own awareness so that they can then go forward and deliver their performance without being encumbered, without, without taking ownership of Simone's emotions, because Simone didn't ask them to. She shared with them how confident she was in managing her own situation so that her teammates could go forward and perform at their best level. In fact, maybe even be in, enriched by, by the, the uh, toughness and the camaraderie and the sharing that Simone was giving them. And they then used that to enhance their execution, their self-management and being able to control the triggers for themselves and the emotions that brought with it. Because ultimately, here's the bottom line. Simone is always a champion. She's got more than enough hardware to justify her standing tall, smiling, that gold medal smile, and assuring everybody she's still a champion. Here's what we need to do as I'm sure her teammates did, in their behavior backing this up, this statement up, sharing positive affirmations to Simone, to her directly, but also positive affirmations through your own actions, your own performance in the all-around performance to earn the gold medal for Team USA and yourself. In addition to the affirmations that you would share with Simone, recognizing through your words and your your behaviors that Simone can see and say, she believes in me. She's got my back. I feel better about myself because of that. Every experience you have in the interactions with someone else, your own personal experiences, when you visualize what you can do, Share that experience with Simone. So if you're a coach to Simone, give her the visualizations that are self-affirming on the experiences that she's had in the past. Simone, you've been a gold medalist. You know what that looks like. You know what that feels like. Put yourself back in that space. Provide yourself confidence through that visualization that you are in, indeed a champion and will always be a champion. Self-visualization, it's called um, um, the positive self-talk, uh, self, um, um, self where you're talking to yourself internally with those visions, as well as maybe even just rolling a tape of audio uh, affirmations to yourself. But round that out with a visualization, an image of, of affirmation that you are truly a, uh, a champion. Now, as a group, as a team, as an administration, as Sports management professionals, make sure that you create environments 
that allow people to surround themselves with trust and inclusion. If you've noticed anything about the, the images you saw of the Olympic gymnastics team, Simone was there. She was on the sidelines. She was cheering her teammates on. Uh, during the all-around, she was up in the stands, uh, removing herself. I, I believe she did that to remove herself so that she could be in a space to self-affirm, self-manage, be self-aware without being a distraction. That was allowed her. More than likely, they talked about it as a team or coaches may have shared with Simone um, recommendations about go off on your own, find your own space, you know, let us know where you are so we can reconnect and we can be inclusive when you want us to be inclusive. So it's important to surround athletes with people and things they can trust and that give them a sense of inclusion. Don't isolate them. Don't let them feed that that darkness, that shrouded image, you know, hunch shoulders, you know, uh, away from everybody and in a dark space. Don't let that happen. But my advice to you is let it happen and promote it to happen in good time so the athlete feels that they've made the right choice. They are taking ownership of it. If they don't take ownership of it, Anything you say or do with them may not be received as quickly or as efficiently as they could be. This is a tough one because the timing of owning future plans, like what Simone Biles is faced with this week, she's going to need to make a decision in, in the not too distant future of whether she's going to include herself in individual event participation. And she's got several uh, that she could win gold. Um, I'm hoping that she's not dwelling on the woulda, shoulda, couldas. She needs to dwell on plans for the future that she can control and that she will own and that people will, will respect that ownership. Too often in my past, I've dealt with coaches who have forced athletes through almost intimidation routines. Well, you've been a champion before. Why do you want to cheat yourself from being a champion today? Suck it up. Be what you can be right now. This moment is your, you know, that's all great words to a certain degree, but not in these settings. Simone and other athletes that are fighting those demons, that are drawing them down into the darkness, that shrouded, alone darkness that doesn't allow them to make eye contact with you, that doesn't, that doesn't create uh, situations or circumstances that a smile readily comes to their face. You don't want that rhetoric from the coaches. You want them to be supported by coaches and teammates that respect their ownership in the right time to their future plans. Simone has a timeline. It's coming. Not every athlete has a distinct timeline to have to face. It's a tough decision. It takes courage. And it takes a team environment that's going to help them focus in on what's good for them at that moment in that space. Now, as I say that, I'm, I'm reminded of what's coming up in the not-too-distant future. We've got the Olympics, so they'll be ending here soon uh, with all the different events that are happening. We've got some great things that have happened in the Olympics, some wonderful, wonderful moments that could be distractions for in that awareness, the seeking awareness that I advise that Simone and other athletes should do. The surfing, first time. We've got a gold medalist, female gold medalist for the USA in surfing. Awesome overcome with emotion. 
wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity. We also have, um, you know, moments in skateboarding with youngsters. These are great images to reflect on and to distract, if you will, in your awareness for yourself, to take you away and yet bring you back through those visualizations and that excitement from other people. I'm hoping that we have some uh, medalists in our golf. Uh, we've got some powerhouse golfers, but it just seems that we're not connecting. But even with that and that awareness, you can be distracted into places that are helpful to you to find your sense of control and your ownership of future plans. Well, in addition to the Olympic events that are coming, that we can revel in the greatness of that, um, we have some uh, things coming up in the not-too-distant future. we got football coming back. Uh, we've got the, um, the professional teams are in camps. The college teams will be starting two-a-days in not-too-distant future in the next few days, actually. Um, the uh, Last week, there were conference uh, meetings across the country for NCAA football. They get together, you know, at a de designated place. I uh, think the Mountain West is still doing Las Vegas as their meeting place. But all the conferences meet together to talk about uh, the season, the schedule, the captains that have been identified for this season go out there and, and talk about expectations and their positive affirmations, their visualizations and looking at what, what needs to happen. Uh, the the pros uh, are out there throwing the ball around because now it's mandatory practices are here. Um, we'll be not in not too distant. Like next couple of weeks, we're going to be having exhibition games, uh, the non-conference kind of stuff happening, all in light of things we need to be aware of and creating an anticipation for future change. Um, the um, the variant, D variant that's out there for COVID is causing a lot of people to be uh, sensitive to this. Um, look at whether you're an athlete or an executive or a small business owner, we need to be aware of what future changes might be coming. Plan today for that inevitability and, and create your plan. So whether you're Simone Biles in the immediacy of what she's doing or you're a small business owner looking at the future, be aware of what needs to happen and stay on task like we do here streaming every single week every day every moment of every day streaming at KUHS Denver bringing you the best of the best that we can uh, uh, join with you on um, I anticipated a colleague of mine I'm going to give her some props uh, Dr. Leslie uh, Rogers um, I, I discovered something that's really awesome um, so be be aware that the, the clubhouse the clubhouse is out there. It's part of the social media genre. You have to be invited into clubhouse. I'm participating in that networking of colleagues, and I met Dr. Leslie Rogers. Uh, just take a take a Google search on Dr. Leslie Rogers. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist that has had experience with the FBI on profiling. Um, she's just a wonder, wonderful, uh, wonderful resource for me. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to my interactions with her, not only on the clubhouse, but hopefully getting her on the show to talk about what we're talking about today in more specific terms. We've got first responders, military personnel. We've got firefighters, police officers, um, nurses, doctors that are still going to be uh, facing these uncertain times that are coming. Um, I've got family members in, as executives in hos hospital health care 
uh, in the state of Missouri, which is facing some just amazing, amazing increases in COVID cases. Um, I can't say enough about being aware of who you are and the science. It is so profound and so revealing. It doesn't take much. You don't have to be a scientist to understand what it means to wash your hands, have distance, cover your mouth if you cough or sneeze. And you may not have COVID. That's just being kind and courteous to others around you. Be aware of your space. So whether that awareness is on the Olympic scene and you're trying to manage yourself in that space, or it's just walking in the grocery store and you sneeze, cover your face, maybe wear a mask, because now we're talking about with the variant, the D variant that's out there, we're saying, look, if you're going to go, if you anticipate, if you are aware, self-manage in that space and visualize what it's going to be like, at King Supers on a grocery shopping day. Have a have a mask in your pocket. And if you go in, you go, oh, pretty busy day here. Better put my mask on. Even if you've been vaccinated, which I hope you have. Look at the sign says this. The vaccinations work. They are working. And if you happen to come up with the thought that in your awareness search, in your visualizations of the conditions of your health care, that you say, well, the FDA hasn't come out and da 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 That is true. They have not come out. But also understand the science of the vaccines has been tested from other diseases prior to COVID, that it works. The mRNA process of delivering the COVID vaccine into our bodies is tested and tested true, has been approved by the FDA and other vaccine scenarios. It is coming. The FD will put their rubber stamp on it, but they have, in a sense, or it wouldn't have ever got onto the streets to be able to be used in the settings being used. So look at the science. Use it as a confidence builder for yourself and go out there and get vaccinated. And if you don't get vaccinated, follow the science and visualize conditions where you may go into a, a place where you like to hang out for coffee, for beverages, for maybe going to see a, a, a club act or a concert. Make sure that you're wearing a mask. Make sure that you're honoring others around you, even if you've been vaccinated. You could be asymptomatic and share it with someone else, not having the effects, the ill effects on yourself. Know the science. Be aware of what's going on in your world. So in, in summary, in the last few minutes of the show today, let me, let me share with you how important it is that at 360 Performance, we deliver information to you so that you can make choices. Today it was about twisties. An Olympic team excellence through Simone Biles. And excellence not only on the mats and the bars and the vault, but excellence just in her behavior as a conscientious teammate and performer of herself. I, I, I marvel at, at that because it's so often tough for athletes to fight that competitive spirit that they have and do what is right for them in that moment. And Simone my hat's off to you. My compliments are to you because you shut it down before it got to a point where it was going to be really damaging to you. And I, I believe that you, you shut it off in a moment where you could share your 
emotional struggle, your physical and emotional struggle with the twisties, with your teammates, and be even more of a leader than you already are. That is outstanding. I, I believe if, you're, if you feel comfortable with it, that you and your teammates should share how much of a, a guiding light, a leadership of self-management you were to your teammates that might have emboldened them to even strive for more. And then that contributed to gold medal performances for them in the all-around. I think it's outstanding. And I hope for the best, whatever that is for you, and that you choose the best. And if by choosing it, it becomes you do a floor X, but you don't do the vault, or you do um, the floor X and uneven bars. That would be awesome. But that's your choice that I will respect, and I hope that others will respect it for you. And use it as an exemplar for the future to other athletes so that they know how to control their emotions, be self-managed, be self-aware, and take that going forward as a professional in your world beyond sports and what you do, and that we become better as administrators, management of spaces, coaches of athletes, and being aware of what are the triggers so that we can help manage it before it gets to failure. That's important. And allowing that awareness to stop us as coaches and administrators from pushing our encouragement is no longer encouragement. It's now pushing an athlete to go beyond and go to failure. That is not what coaching is all about. That is not world-class development of instruction to the point of excellence. Just like the Aristotle quote says, it's not habit. It is excellence based on practice and processes that we put in place so that it becomes habits that's what it's all about. And within that, we control it as the athlete. We support it as coaches. That's important for us to understand. I, you know, I'm so grateful to be in this space, but I'm also so challenged and grateful for the challenge to be able to talk about change that will bring about performance that becomes habit for the betterment of the elite athlete. But at the same time, those elite athletes are exemplars now for what the right way is to be in control and manage your space in the best way you can for you. Glad to be here. It's uh, a Friday uh, on um, 11 o'clock on KUHSDenver.com, streaming to you every week at this time. 360 Performance brings to you those skills and methods that strategically help you to be the best you can be. And that when you're faced in the twisties, you have a strategy to manage that and deal with it in a way that fits you. And you can take ownership of it so that you are prepared before failure happens. And yet you can control it. Not, not denying the fact that failure and error will still be part of our routine. But that's what makes us better. That's what creates habits of excellence. It's great to be with you. Have a great day today. Enjoy the day your way. This is Lowell Whiteman, or Coach, saying goodbye to you and have a great weekend.
my horse, and I can't let you go. 